It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, January 20th. This is your KVMR Evening News. If you're a Sacramento Kings fan, you've been through a lot, to put it mildly. But the team and a particular beam of light are providing hope for their base as they move towards the playoffs. More on the California Report. Then, for those with Medi-Cal, you'll want to hear the latest on what may disqualify you from coverage, coming up from the California News Service. We've got your local news and weekend weather report before KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Annie McCann about her role in A Thousand Kisses Deep, a show featuring solely Leonard Cohen songs with 14 local musicians. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. A nonprofit group is asking the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to reintroduce sea otters to a stretch of the Pacific coast from the Bay Area to Oregon. The Center for Biological Diversity says southern sea otters occupy only 13 percent of their historic range. The group has filed a petition under the Endangered Species Act. And if repopulation efforts work, the center wants to extend the project from the coast of Southern California to Baja. Traders nearly drove the species to extinction, but prior repopulation efforts have helped reestablish sea otter populations off the coast of California, Washington State, Alaska, and British Columbia. There's a beam of light bringing people together in Sacramento, where long-suffering basketball fans finally have a reason to celebrate. KQED's Bianca Taylor has the story of how the Sacramento Kings are exceeding expectations this season. To understand why Sacramento Kings fans are so excited right now, you have to understand how hard it's been for us. The Kings have failed to qualify for a playoff for 16 years straight, making them not only the worst team in the NBA, but the worst team in major American sports. And this is a league where over half the teams make the playoffs. So to be bad at that level for a decade and a half through two ownership groups is a really impressive level of ineptitude. That's Patrick Redford. He's a staff writer at Defector Media and a lifelong Kings fan, even if it doesn't make total sense. You know, by any sort of rational metric, I should have just become a Warriors fan at some point because I could be happy. But like, this is sort of what sports fandom is all about. It's just sort of about representing where you're from. But this year, the Kings have shocked Patrick and everyone else by actually being good. They're playing great basketball. They seem to have good chemistry. They have like a good coach for the first time in 16 years. Um, You know, we don't need to have a statistics talk here, but all the numbers say they're actually better than their record is. And also, there's there's the beam. You're going to light this beam? Let's do it. Let's let them light the beam! The beam. Four lasers that shoot a purple beam of light into space from the top of Golden One Center in downtown Sacramento. The beam was first lit in October 2022 after being cleared by the Federal Aviation Administration. A few weeks later, the Kings took off on a seven-game winning streak. So now the beam lights up the sky after every Kings victory, at home or away. They were playing in Los Angeles, and they were up big on the Clippers in the fourth quarter, and you could hear chants in that building, on the road. Light the Beam has become a citywide rallying cry, and it's everywhere in Sacramento, from T-shirts to socks to the Light the Beam IPA. For a brief moment, the beam was even listed as a place of worship on Google Maps. 
And according to Patrick, it's not only Sacramento that's swept up in this beam madness. I mean, the Kings are probably the feel-good story of the season, and that's coincided with the beam. And so you see, anytime the Kings win on Twitter or online, you'll see people referencing it, uh, celebrating the beam being lit. There are still months to go before the playoffs, and if anyone knows not to get overly optimistic, it's us Kings fans. I went to a game in December hoping to see the beam for myself, but they lost to the Denver Nuggets. Still, it's hard not to hope that this success and energy will get the Kings into the NBA playoffs for the first time since I was 16. And as long as they do make it in, it almost doesn't matter how well they do. If they make it into the playoffs and get swept by 25 points a game, people will be so happy. Honestly, it's just really nice to watch like a regular basketball team for once and just not feel like a joke. Regardless of how the season ends, it's undeniable that the Kings or the Beam team, as they've now been trademarked, have made sports history again. But this time, it's in a way Kings fans can actually be proud of. With three words, light the beam. For the California Report, I'm Bianca Taylor in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Stanford Healthcare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. This week, host Sasha Coca tells us about a new bookstore in Pasadena that will feature the work of BIPOC writers. Last year on New Year's Eve, Nikki High took to Twitter to share her biggest accomplishment of the year. I tweeted, I took the leap and quit my job to open my very own bookstore. Octavia's Bookshelf will open in February and features books written by BIPOC authors in Pasadena. She had no idea what would happen next. And I put my phone down, went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and uh, it was just everywhere. (laughs) It went viral. High's post got over 5 million views and 10,000 retweets. It resonated with so many people in part because Octavia's bookshelf is named after the acclaimed science fiction writer Octavia Butler, a Pasadena native. Her work created space for Black women like High to feel represented in the genre. What was interesting about reading her work is that it still addressed what Black people are going through. I felt a connection there because AI identified with the characters. There's also several nods to Pasadena, but mostly it was that, you know, she talked about things related to how Black people are experiencing life and what that could look like in the future. You can hear more about Octavia's bookshelf on this week's Half Hour magazine from The California Report. Tune in on your public radio station or download The California Report magazine podcast. And that's The California Report for Friday, January 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. 
Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, Jim Bennett, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Mavi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. A huge wave of Medi-Cal terminations arrives in April. After a three-year moratorium on axing Medi-Cal coverage, California's Congress has once again initiated the boot for those who may no longer qualify for the low-income health assistance. And that's going to affect a whole lot of residents. Suzanne Potter of California News Service has the details on why you shouldn't ignore that Medi-Cal renewal packet in your mailbox. Starting in April, an estimated 2 to 3 million people could be dropped from Medi-Cal, the state's health insurance program for low-income people. For three years during COVID, terminations were halted, but Congress recently voted to de-link the program from the public health emergency. So California will have 14 months to reevaluate eligibility for almost 15 million people. Tiffany Winchow, a senior staff attorney with the nonprofit Justice in Aging, says people who don't respond to the renewal packet will lose coverage. Lots of individuals might have moved, might have had a change in income, a change in household size, or a new job, or lost a job. So it is really important to update contact information, such as address, phone numbers, with the county office. The state has an ambassador program to educate community health workers on the resumption of renewals and about the unwinding of the public health emergency, which is expected to end sometime this spring. Wincho says justice in aging is also part of the public education campaign to make sure people who meet the income requirements don't fall off the rolls. Last year, California increased the limit on assets an older person can have and still qualify for Medi-Cal, changing the amount from $2,000 to $130,000. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Let's take a look at today's local news. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, better known as FEMA, announced today that President Biden made additional disaster assistance available to California for damage caused by the recent severe winter storms. This additional assistance takes the shape of increased federal funding for debris removal and other emergency support. Along with the additional funds, FEMA announced they've added San Joaquin County to the federal disaster declaration. If you own a home or rent in Merced, Monterey, Sacramento, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz, and now San Joaquin counties, and sustain damage or losses as a direct result of the storms, you're eligible to apply for assistance with FEMA. Head to disasterassistance.gov for more information. The application deadline is Thursday, March 16, 2023. This Sunday is Lunar New Year, when the moon will enter a new phase and usher in the Year of the Rabbit. And for the first time in California's history, it's an official state holiday. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill last year declaring Lunar New Year, which typically falls on the second new moon after the winter solstice, to be a state holiday. A way to, quote, acknowledge the diversity and cultural significance Asian Americans bring to California, says Governor Newsom. Jeannie Wood, a member of the Nevada County Arts Council's Board of Directors and Executive Director of the Community Asian Theater of the Sierra, says, quote, For me, growing up in San Francisco's Chinatown, it was family, food, excitement, and remembrance. 
Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Chinese New Year had the same heightened celebration for me as a child. Wood says she's sure early Chinese pioneers to the Sierra foothills practiced Lunar New Year rituals during the 1800s despite their hardships. Quote, they were our ancestors from southern China who paved the way for a better life in America. The Community Asian Theater of the Sierra honors these early Chinese pioneers with an annual parade and festival in Nevada City on Commercial Street, the site of the old Chinese quarter, and ends the day with a festival at the Miner's Foundry. However, due to pandemic safety measures, the last CATS Lunar New Year celebrations were before the COVID pandemic, and they were unable to organize a Year of the Rabbit celebration in time for 2023. However, the theater group is currently planning the 2024 event for the Year of the Dragon. Now turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 29 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 48. Saturday night, patchy fog between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m., otherwise partly cloudy with a low around 32. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 51 degrees. Sunday night, a low around 30. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, patchy freezing fog after 10 p.m., mostly clear with a low around 10 degrees. Saturday, that patchy freezing fog continues before 10 a.m., then sunny with a high near 39. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 33 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, patchy fog after 2 a.m. with widespread frost later on. Otherwise, mostly clear with a low around 31 degrees. Saturday, patchy fog and widespread frost before 10 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 52. And Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 54. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks with Annie McCann about her role in A Thousand Kisses Deep, the music of Leonard Cohen. The show sees 14 local musicians perform songs solely by Cohen. They play the Nevada Theater February 3rd and 4th. We're talking with Annie McCann. She's performing in 1,000 Kisses Deep, the songs of Leonard Cohen, which is coming to the Nevada Theater on February 3rd and 4th. And of course, Annie's been around playing music in our area for quite some time. Thanks for joining us, Annie. Well, thanks for having me, Felton. So, A uh, Thousand Kisses Deep, this isn't your first go-round with this. How long have you been doing this with uh, Paul Emery Presents? Oh, my God, I have to really go back into the recesses of my mind. I think it's been 10 years at least that we've been doing this. Oh, actually, I think 2010 was the creation of the idea and perhaps our first performance. So that's time flies, 13 years. Yeah, and this is something that I guess Paul Paul Emery puts this on, and he loved the music of Leonard Cohen, and I, he found a lot of like-minded souls to come together with him, and this has turned into an amazing production. Well, it, it surprised all of us. I, I don't, I'm not sure why, because Leonard's music is so provocative, and Paul and I had the great pleasure of seeing him live down in Oakland. And uh, we're so blown away. And I believe after that show, that was in again in the late 2009 or something like that. His that tour he was doing, back out on the road trying to make his money back. <laughs> and uh, we were just levitated uh, from our seats. It was such a fantastic, uh, inspiring show. And I think that is really what inspired him to 
recreate his music with local talent. I would have to assume, though, that you've been a fan of Leonard Cohen since the 70s. On and off. On and off. Yeah. But no, I didn't follow him all the way through. No way. Mm-mm. But, but definitely the resurgence was thrilling. Thrilling to see him out on the stage again. So when we gather at the Nevada Theater on February 3rd and 4th, about how many musicians are in this production? Boy, I have to use my brain again, Felton. Uh, <laughs> 13 or 14, I think, including the sound man. Yeah. yeah. And these are all people, most, most of them, I've known since they were in their 20s. And I hate to, to date us, but some of that has been, some of those people have been friendships over 40 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and you got this collaboration of doing uh, Leonard Cohen songs. Can you give us a sneak peek and tell us which songs you're featured in prominently? Well, I love the Joan of Arc song, and I'm, I sing that with Paul, and I do um, Anthem with Kimberly Bass, and I'm luckily the one who gets to sing Hallelujah. And I also really love playing the piano and singing Famous Blue Raincoat I remember a few years ago, you guys took this down to the Crest Theater and put on a performance. And I remember that night when you sang Hallelujah. I mean, that just was a jaw-dropping performance. Well, there was one performance at the Crest that I still consider my best performance. Maybe that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you do it so long that you it finally gels. And like I said, all of us musicians, we are very seasoned musicians. And so it's, it's just a pleasure to work with all, all these pros that live in our own hometown. And this isn't just, you know, Paul calling up his buddies and going, let's get together on February 3rd and 4th. You guys have intense rehearsals, don't you? Oh, we do. With that many people, we, we got to be organized. And, and we really care about our intonation and, and making it the best show we can possibly have. Yeah, perform. I was a stage manager for the show back at the Crest years ago. And I, I know how intricate it is just getting, you know, the people in the right place for this song and then everything changes and then you got to get the people in the right place for this song and then everything changes and it just goes well, on yeah. and on. With the microphones and all for sure. Yeah. But uh, as an audience member, you're going to be just so thrilled to, to go see this performance with uh, one of the great songwriters in uh, Canadian and American and, and the world's history. Yes, superb, superb. And just the meaning uh, of him being a poet and the, the, the words... His lyrics are very theatrical for me so that you can put so much emotion and somewhat, um, you know, dramatic interpretation into his music. And that's important to me. I've done a lot of theater in the past and also studied a lot of classical music. So I actually get to bust out a few of those operatic notes in his songs. And yes, my interpretation of Hallelujah is, is a little over the top for some people, but, you know, to each his own, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're talking with Annie McCann. She's going to be performing in A Thousand Kisses Deep, the songs of Leonard Cohen at the Nevada Theater. Paul Emery Music putting this on Friday and Saturday, February 3rd and 4th. Now, Annie, this isn't like the first time you've gotten together doing a Paul Emery production. You and Paul's uh, relationship doing music goes back a long ways, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does. I mean, we started playing music together in 1979, and we traveled all over Europe and Spent a lot of time in Ireland singing some of the festivals there, falling in love with Irish music and going through all different kind of phases. And it's, I think we're tied at the hip, I believe, Paul and I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that uh, 
you know, I think I'm just, we're going to be at each other's side through it all. Traveling through Ireland back in uh, the late 70s and stuff, that must have been a magical time. Well, it was. Irish musicians were revered in Europe at that time. And so these Irish festivals were just booming. And we just got on the tail end of that. We were singing in some pub and promoters heard us and whisked us up, put us on the bill, played before 20,000 people at Listun Varna and just went on to play all over Europe from the people that we had actually um, met at those Irish festivals. It was a phenomenal time for us and for Irish music. Mm -hmm. And then you and Paul also used to have some bands in this area. Were, Were you in the Foothill Flyers? Well, you know, I did dabble in the Foothill Flyers. That's right when I first moved to California again, late 70s, and he was part of Foothill Flyers, so I kind of jumped in at the tail end of that with Bobby Woods, yeah, Rain Man, and, and of course, Paul, and, and that was a lot of fun. And then Paul and I just kind of went off and started doing a duo and then became Backwoods Jazz when Tom Schmidt, rest in peace, Tom, um, you know, uh, formed Backwoods Jazz and went on to do kind of more of a jug band swing eclectic folk <laughs> trio <laughs> for a while oh yeah and you guys i remember backwoods jazz playing at the center for the arts i don't know maybe 10 years ago something in that time frame maybe 12 years ago yeah that was a reunion that we had with ray man was with us on that too mm-hmm. i'm glad we had those reunions and we had one at the nevada theater i think oh gosh i just can't remember how many years ago but it was only a few years after that that tom passed so i'm so happy that we got to have a little revival before that now is no longer possible just fond memories yeah so what else is on the docket for you in 2023 musically well of course my the love of my life vocal uh vocalist from the 70s was joni mitchell and elena Rayo has been doing um, a collaboration of all Joni Mitchell's songs, and I was part of that show just a couple of months ago at the Nevada Theater, sold-out audience, beautiful, heartfelt show, uh, running uh, a lot of different uh, eras of Joni's music. And I loved doing that, and we're doing that again at the end, uh, early March down at the Blue Note in Napa. Oh, I have to recommend that to people, because I saw that one when you did it here in Nevada City. And that was marvelous. I mean, if you're a Joni Mitchell fan, it's a must-see. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking with Annie McCann. She's going to be performing with a whole bunch of folks in A Thousand Kisses Deep, the songs of Leonard Cohen. It's coming to the Nevada Theater on Friday and Saturday, February 3rd and 4th. Annie, we're looking forward to seeing you and all the folks uh, putting on this great performances of uh, Leonard Cohen. Well, thanks, Felton. We're looking forward to seeing everyone, too. That's our newscast for this Friday, January 20th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Serino's at Main Street, serving Italian cuisine since 1983. Open Wednesday through Sunday, 11 to 10 p.m. for lunch and dinner. Offering private dining snugs, available for customer safety and comfort. Information, serinosatmainstreet.com. And Nevada County Citizens for Choice, promoting reproductive justice and equitable reproductive health care access, advocacy, education, with compassionate services for women, men, and teens. Learn more at citizensforchoice.org. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.